As a business owner of an aquaculture company, how can you take the first step to be profitable and sustainable at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in these episodes. Hello, and welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This is the podcast for the sustainable business movement in the aqua farming and ocean ranching industries. This podcast aims to amplify the voices of entrepreneurs addressing the United Nations Global Goals, aka Sustainable Development Goals, number 14, to conserve and sustainably use the oceans and the seas. Listen in to fellow business aquaculturists in their journey in this new model of food production of making their business sustainable and help the ocean's ecology while also making a profit all at the same time. Get inspired to learn how even small to medium businesses can make an impact to save the seas, leave a legacy, and have a better quality of life. One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture creator, educator, and spokesperson, how do you create impact on social media? That's what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. Welcome to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. I'm so delighted that this episode we're going to interview James Sibley. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Lourdes. It's great to be here. I'm excited to chat with everybody. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Since 2021, he has cultivated one of the world's largest online followings in the aquaculture sector, largely through social media. So I'm really excited to interview you today, James, because I've seen a lot of your Instagram and TikTok, and it's really fascinating how in such a short span of time, you've gained this following. So let's get this ball rolling. So let me ask you my first question. What do you believe are the most promising advancements or innovations in aquaculture that have the potential to significantly impact sustainable seafood production? And how can individuals and small-scale aquaculture practitioners benefit from them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's a, that is the question, right? And um, as somebody who's facing the, kind of the, uh, the public with these questions, as I'm sure you're aware, you get kind of these unique insights into how not only the sector and the industry see these challenges and some of the opportunities coming from that, but how the public at large sees the challenges because something like sea lice, right? We in the industry look at it with a certain light and then everybody else looks at it with a much heavier. And uh, with that, um, I, I'm really enthusiastic about uh, bacteriophages and vaccines in aquaculture. Um, I personally have been talking with a few companies doing phage work, um, a lot in Norway, and it's just incredible. You know, I, I studied some of this stuff in biology in school, but to see it in action, in practice, none of this is really out commercially yet, um, but it is viable and it is financially viable. So that's going to be really cool once phages come into the scene here, because that's, that's reducing our antibiotic use. That's one of the public's greatest issues with aquaculture. Um, and then another point that I came across recently this summer, and I've, I've done a few videos on it. The public loves this concept, and it's starting to take off a bit, is IMTAs, you know, Integrated Multitrophic Aquaculture, right? Where we have, let's say, a salmon farm, and then you drop rope mussels around the sides, or you grow kelp up through the bottom, um, or you know, around the bottom. Just integrating multiple trophs, right? Different species um, into your 
aquaculture practice, it's wicked good for the environment. And studies have just come out about how, um, for example, kelp with salmon, it actually grows faster than if it was just kelp on its own. Um, and the public absolutely loves this idea because you it, it's no longer just one farm smothering the floor, which is a lot of the view of this, uh, a lot of the, the public issues here. Um, you have essentially a microcosm that you've developed that you're farming. And all of that is, is, you know, essentially profits, right? Because you can sell not only the fish, but whatever it might be, the shellfish, the crustaceans, the, the algaes, um, all of that helps not only the, the large farmers, but the small farmers as well. I see that as like a real opportunity for, you know, differentiation and value adding with a lot of the small startups. It's actually kind of interesting hearing this from you because I think, you know, the show is about the business and you talked a little bit on that because it's more along the lines of, you know, in any other business, you have different array of products and or services. So you're not just solely focused, you know, the old cliche of don't put your eggs in one basket. It's, and IMTA does that in the lingo of our industry. So maybe you can tell our audience and share with us because influencers play a crucial role in raising awareness about important issues and you're in that role. So how do you see your role as an aquaculture educator influencing public perception and consumer choices regarding seafood, especially in terms of promoting responsible and sustainable aquaculture practices? Yeah, so a lot of us in the industry saw that article come out in the past year about TikTok's influence on canned seafood in the past year. Um, and, you know, I kind of read that and chuckled to myself because nobody asked me about that article, but it's fine. Um, <clears throat> you know, us, I, I guess you could call us influencers, right? Um, there aren't many of us in the seafood space, let alone aquaculture. Um, most people who do seafood social media are with wild fisheries um, and a lot of, you know, like crabbers, lobstermen, they're uh, tuna guys. There's not a lot of aquaculture culture um and whether that's because of the isolationist strategies that a lot of companies employ or just the fractured nature of where we stand where these a lot of companies are more focused on their operations and their sales than they are their marketing um even though they're all intertwined of course now with the emergence of people like me who just love aquaculture and, and have kind of picked up this knack for showing it online in a way that is like perceptible and authentic, engaging, um, the way that people really seem to like. Um, I think that this presents like a really interesting opportunity for a lot of um, both large and small scale operations, um, as long as that there is something unique to show the world, whether it be a, un a unique or new species being farmed, the location, the operations, is it you know, is their FIFO like point, point 0.5? Is it something really incredible with what they're doing? If there's something there that brings substance to the table, that is, is really something the public cares about, I think that there's a real opportunity to kind of exploit that and, and say, hey, look, I know you, James, you love to talk about um, all these different kinds of sustainable aquaculture. Why don't you come see our operation, put a, a, you know, a name to the face? It's fascinating you're saying that because the visual that came to my head is I wanted to have James actually come over and see our hatchery and our farm because that's what you really excel at, right? You're really brilliant at breaking down how people can understand authentically what 
aquaculturists in essence, I call them like ocean ranchers slash farmers, sea farmers, and being able to put that into the public's eye so that it's not so, even just the word aquaculture, when I entered into this industry 15 years ago, it was such a misnomer on what that sounds like because alluded to your point that most of the people is only thinking of finfish, tuna, salmon, and there's a whole gamut of species that we haven't even talked about here. So thank you for, I think, the operative word in all those things that you said was authentically, right? I think because people can see through when someone is bluffing or just basically using all kinds of different things to interpret something that they don't mostly know, know about. So thank you for bringing that to the table, which leads me to my next question. So could you share some examples of successful aquaculture projects or, or initiatives you've been involved in or have observed that have not only been economically viable, but have also demonstrated a positive environmental and social impact on the communities that they serve? Of course, yeah. So when I started out, I started out doing uh, social media itself for aquaculture two years ago. And <clears throat> I did not start with any, any rhyme or reason or intention. I started because I was bored and lonely on the closing shifts at a, you know, a fish market. So um, I ended up tapping oysters together and my boss was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um, but people loved it. So I just, I kept at it and it wasn't easy. You know, I had to move jobs more than once because of conflicts that arose with me filming at work, those sorts of issues. And, and every time I took the risk, I'm like, you know what? I think I got something here. Um, and eventually I found a place to work where that was seen, right? And they, they, they took me in and they were like, do what you do. We don't want to be involved at all, right? We just want to let you do what you do. And that, that's where my channel really took off with that. <clears throat> and... Um, what was important about that was times are changing as far as how we spend our time, right? The average American watches TV for four hours a day. That's nearly a full work week. That's why that's like been a traditional place to reach anybody with anything, marketing, advertising, news. But that's no longer the case, right? People are moving on to platforms like TikTok, right? 150 million Americans use TikTok daily for an average of 90 minutes. Now we can, whether or not that's good for people is, an, is a separate discussion, but it's important nonetheless, because that, that's where our focus is now. And, and there it's different because you can't just throw money at it. You can't just advertise as you would in the past, you know, bring in huge crews with these massive cameras and sound systems. That's not how that platform works. The platform works with engagement, right? It's back and forth. You can't just speak and, and hope people listen because it really has to be a conversation. And that's, that's kind of what I've been honing for the past two years. You know, I, when I jumped into this space doing my videos, you know, I, it was a steep learning curve. It still is. It really is. And um, I kind of have to make it up as I go because there isn't, there's no formula. Um, there aren't really other people I can follow along with who, who do exactly what I do. You know, I'm really just trying stuff out here. You know, I, I just came back from my last or my, my latest partnership with Scredding up in uh, New Brunswick. That was fa uh, just fantastic. I'd never seen a, a feed manufacturer. Um, you know, I, I'd hold the feed in my hands and I feed it to the fish and whatnot, but to actually see these massive extruders just like shooting out pellets into these, these big heaters, and oh, it was, it was incredible. You know, like the, the machine, the, the scale of these machines is unlike anything I had predicted. I mean, I, I understand like the size 
right? Because it's like, oh, they, they move a couple shipping containers worth of feet a day. But when you see that in person and you hear these machines screaming at you as they do it, that, that's a whole other thing. And that was one of the, that's one of the most impactful and one of the partnerships I'm most excited about. I just released my first video on it yesterday, actually. And uh, two more will be coming out uh, over the coming weeks and months um, as I continue to work with them. And, you know, it's, it's a slow process, but that's, that's how it should be. You know, I'm not out here promoting products. I don't be like, hey, you want to buy this canned salmon? <laughs> um, it's much more important to have long-term, more in-depth, awareness-based commitments, right? That's, and, you know, it's much harder as, as an influencer to, like, get contracts like that. But it's much more important because I don't sacrifice my authenticity or my integrity online by working with these companies. I, I have it in my contract, right? If I see anything malicious, illegal, or any, pretty much anything I don't like, that is, you know, you lied to me, right? You're not sustainable. You're not forward thinking. Then I cut it right there. Um, I've had to do that in the past. And I am really happy with my, my time with Scredding so far that it has just been one of the most um, honest and transparent companies I've worked with thus far. Um, another, now th that's one of the larger companies I've worked with. Um, one of the smaller companies I worked with, I just ran across them at Sina last year, the Seafood Expo in Boston. Um, I, I went as a, just as I wasn't an exhibitor or anything, you know, I just showed up like the rest of us and walked around, found these guys who had imported a shipping container that was fitted out with all sorts of recirculating technologies to keep this, these water flows moving throughout it. It was a fish. It was a, sorry, it was a shrimp farm in a shipping container. And that, oh my, I was blown away by that. I was, that was, I had never seen anything like it. You know, I've seen, um, for example, in, in Vietnam and Laos, there are these very small kind of backyard fish farms. This was like that idea, but semi-autonomous. You could throw it on the back of a truck and leave it anywhere as long as you could plug it in. Um, and that's what they did, right? So they actually had a facility with um, about a dozen of these test farms set up in a warehouse in Indiana, right? Um, pretty, pretty landlocked there, all things considered. And um, they flew me out there to go look at things after the expo because, you know, at the expo, I was talking to them and they were these incredible group from Mexico, just really excited about what they're bringing to the world, right? It's, it's new technology. It's, it's evolving and, and improving every day. And they were like, come look at what we're doing, you know, come taste the shrimp out of the farm. And that's exactly what I did. And it was, it was incredible. So that, that, that was one of the most fun campaigns I've ever done. More because they let me have full creative freedom, right? A lot of these, a lot of times when I'm working with companies, it's there, there's very specific guidelines, and, and that that's totally acceptable. I understand that, um, especially when it's stuff to do with confidentiality. But these guys just said, "Do what you don't even have to ask us before you post. We don't even want to see it. Um, they should just do what you do." And that's that kind of creative freedom is what allowed me to get my most viewed video ever. It's standing at Oh gosh, 12, 13 million views. Um, it has my highest engagement. And I've also, beyond that, I have more than one video with them that have also gone wicked viral like that, where it, it's been seen around the world. And it's done some pretty good things for them. You know, I've, I've brought them a lot of attention on kind of the US stage here um, that, that's kind of helped them garner a following as an independent company outside of me, the influencer, which I think is really. Um, important, especially for startups like them. I think you're talking about Ataraya. I had, um, is it 
because I had Danielle Rusek on the show as well. They, they're fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you had them here. So you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> they're brilliant. It's just brilliant, the concept of AI. And you mentioned semi-autonomous. I think their team just rocks. It, when he was talking to me about it, not just because the technology works, but the economics in terms of what they were doing, I thought, you know, it's all again boils down to people. You talked about you being given the creative freedom. That's what makes you excel. And so that really resonated well with me. So I know I mentioned I was going to only ask you three questions, but I have one last question because I really like what you're sharing in terms of like people can probably just, you're not see you're yeah, ask away <laughs> because um, I'm always like the passion just exudes, right? I think what was brilliant about what you're doing is because you didn't get stopped when at the first time that you were doing this, it was just like, you just love what you do. And I think that's really important. So for people who wanted to get into this space, what's one thing you can advise them if they wanted to go, go through this route? <laughs> oh gosh. Looking, knowing everything I know now about starting up kind of my own business here, I don't know if I'd be able to do it again, but you know, we're here. Um, and, there's a bunch of advice I would give. Absolutely. The one thing is, is be resilient, right? Most of your videos are not going to perform like the big ones do. It's not linear um, or even close to linear, right? My average viewership is 300,000 views per video, which is very, you know, that makes me feel really good. My median is 50,000 because that's just how the platform works. You have a very I, don't know, I wouldn't say small, but you have a condensed, really strong viewer base. Most of your followers only see the ones that are really, really popular. And that's, that, that's a hard thing to, you know, every, everyone always asks, like, how do you maintain, how do you keep engagement? Because you have to just, you have to love what you do. You can't be doing it for engagement. You can't be doing it to grow your own company. You have to, you have to be doing it because you love what you do. Um, and that resilience goes beyond just actually posting videos itself because you run into a lot of friction you know the bigger you get the more friction you face especially when you're in a place like aquaculture where there's a lot of uh, misinformation and just misguided beliefs online and, and people are very opinionated there's a lot of conjectures and when anybody can voice those opinions it's it's hard right because you know i'll, I'll put up a video I, I put a lot of work in and then a thousand people tell me i'm wrong um it, 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 it hurts. <laughs> it really does. Um, but a thousand people tell you how they learned from you and another thousand back you up and say that you've done this. Like, thank you for being kind of like a voice here. So that's, that's, what's really like uplifting about it. You just really have to have resilience there because even outside of, you know, uh, the internet entirely, um, you'll run into issues trying to start up your, because whenever you t do something like social media, it's really hard to do when you have to do with some with businesses. You know, it's easy to be a makeup influencer or a lifestyle influencer because you can do that outside of work. What I do entirely relies on there being like a company that I can record, right? So um, you kind of have to just take a leap. Um, and I, I've had to do it a few times. I expect to keep doing it. Um, you know, you run into to places where you have to make a tough choice. Do I give up doing what I do online to... You know, pursue this other opportunity, or can I can I make this work? Can I can I fight to make this work? And if you choose the latter, if you really have passion, and if you really keep teaching yourself, you know, all, all of the things that are coming up with aquaculture, right? If you follow like 
I, I'm, I religiously follow the fish site because um, they have just such good coverage on all these crazy innovations coming along. If you stay up to date on everything, you can really make an impact on, on the public's perception. Thank you for saying that. I think that's very ins inspirational for someone who would want to go into this space. Because as you said, there's, there's going to be a lot of naysayers. But if you keep through to yourself, and I keep on saying to people, like, when I started the podcast, sometimes there will be days that, why am I repeating all this all the time? But it boils down to those people that you hear about. I remember one of the students, I always share this, sent me a message on LinkedIn and said, you know, I almost gave up on my thesis, but because I heard some of the experts that you interviewed on the show, I was really inspired that there's hope in this industry. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned some of those. So, but again, when you, I think what's important with what you share with us today was because you, you knew your purpose. You didn't give up. I think people, I say to people, you know, you ask, and I go now esoteric and say, you know, ask these soul questions of who you are and you stand up for what you believe in, which is what you did when you were starting out, knowing what you want, which, as you know, being an educator, I'm really actually very impressed when I saw on your LinkedIn profile, you know who you are, like your branding is aquaculture educator. Like there's no questioning on what that is and what you do and what you stand for. And then you obviously know what you wanted. You wanted to be a voice in this space. And then you just go help people that you're grateful that there's all these people who learn from you. So thank you again for being a stand for the industry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And it's, I, I really appreciate that. You know, it's, it's not often I run across people who really just get it. And of course, you're one of those people. And it's, it's, um, it's so important that we like, the, the more that I've been, uh, visiting these aquaculture facilities and i see the good the bad and the ugly it's so important that it not just be grouped into one and i think that's been one of the big issues in recent years it's such a foreign concept you know seafood in general is already pretty far away from people's uh minds you talk about farming that they don't get a lot of people don't know that it's farmed in the ocean they, they think oh isn't, isn't it on land i'm like some a very small amount is um but it's it's so important that we educate the public on this because there's nothing that can be done about the inevitability of bad practice, right? It's, it will always be there somewhere and it will always come to light. Um, what's important is that at large, things are getting much, much better um, very quickly, but because people don't really, the public can't differentiate between these two things, right? If you say salmon farms, there's no specificity there, but if there's a couple thousand releases or escapes in Iceland, it brings the whole and just the whole sector down, and that's what, what we've seen recently. Um, and, and this goes for things like the the recent controversies with like octopus farming, right, in Egypt. Um, and it's it's so important that things are differentiated. You need, need to put a like a name to the face. Um, you you need to find those operations that are that are really onto something good. They either have really incredible operations or it's just so innovative that it like that something's going to happen. They might just implode spectacularly or it could reshape the industry. Um, and it's so important that those, those brands, those people behind those brands who are making it all happen, uh, be known. Thank you so much again for your wisdom. So my biggest takeaway from our conversation today was when you were really talking about creative freedom. I think it's important for employers um, to be able to see if there's brilliance on cultivating someone who's an 
intrapreneur i call it in their in their in their industry so that they don't hamper those people who will have you know the excellence to pave their own path even within their or their own organization but obviously when you were talking about resilience you know there's a lot of talk about ai technology but these are time tested principles that if you have resilience you know you you will go far so how can our audience get in touch with you Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So my email is james at siblies, that's plural, S-I-B-L-E-Y-S dot net. I respond there all the time. Also, feel free to re reach out to me on any of my social medias, right? I, if you message me directly, I'll definitely see it. Thank you. And before I let you go, I knew that you just also launched your digital media platform. So tell us about what you do there. Yes. Yeah, so I just this past week, I finally got my website to a place where I'm like, you know what, I think it's ready for this to be available um, publicly. It's taken me a while and I'm going to keep working at it. But my website, it's really going to bring together because right now, uh, especially when I go to things like expos, I show up, people know who I am and they ask for a card or they ask for like my website and I don't have anything centralized. <laughs> I really don't. So um, it brings together my LinkedIn, where I do a lot of professional writing and I post about my partnerships, my Instagram, which is a growing platform for me. It's, it's smaller because I just kind of started it up recently, but I'm seeing a lot of success and my TikTok, my main channel, where I have my massive audience. I have most of my engagement. It's where I have the most fun. Um, it brings it all together. It lets people contact me directly. And it has you know a written format there that I can't really get off LinkedIn. Um, you know, on Instagram and TikTok, it's it's video based, which I love. But the problem with that is I can't write a whole backstory. Um, so what's great on my sites is I can say, hey, here's everything I do. Here's examples of what I do. Here's why I do it. Um, so if you have, you know, five or 10 minutes and you're curious, take a look at my site. Um, you can also contact me there. That's, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me because that goes straight to my inbox as like a, uh, a filled out form, which I get excited about every time. So yeah, that, that's been Getting my site together has been a lot of fun there, and I'm, I'm hoping to keep professionalizing it as I go because it's um, I kind of it's a mix of basing it on what other people do. You know, I look at other influencers and they have websites, and I'm like, okay, that's probably a good idea. And then I have to make my own website, which is that's hard. <laughs> I studied biology, not computer science, so um, it's coming along. It's coming along. Well, thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate that you're sharing with, with us your experience. And I'm sure a lot of our audience is going to get a lot from our um, conversation today. So please remember to review the show and see you next week. To all our audience, remember you help build a home in the Philippines every time we launch an episode on the podcast. Thanks, James. And thank uh, you, Laura. See you again. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture. <music>